Today on episode 20 of the Violence Design Lab podcast, we're talking weapons. A couple of weekends ago, I was in Wisconsin staging the fights for a three-day pirate festival, working with my partner in crime, Richard Gilbert. So, of course, I grabbed the chance to get him on the podcast. Our topic today is your weapons inventory for shows. Do you need one? What do you buy? How do they help you? How do you track your stuff when it's rented out to theaters? What do you do if something breaks? So many questions. So literally, out swords and to work with all. Welcome to the Violence Design Lab podcast. Now here's the mad scientist himself, David Barefoot. Greetings, David here. Thanks for tuning in. If you're just joining the podcast, think of me as your personal violence design coach. I've been staging fights and violence for live theater since 1992, and I want to use those 25 years of experience to encourage you to enter the world of stage combat, to coach you towards choreographing better fights, and to train you to tackle the challenges of theatrical violence design. Today, it's my honor and pleasure to talk with Richard Gilbert, who co-founded R&D Choreography with me back in 1996 in Chicago. Rick and I collaborated on over 200 shows together, developed our systematic approach to violence design, taught I don't know how many classes and workshops over the 16 years, and became best friends along the way. Rick is an amazing artist and teacher and scholar. He's currently finishing up his Ph.D. at Loyola University. He's a HEMA aficionado as well. He trains out of Forteza in Chicago, and he is really passionately involved in mentoring the next generation of fight artists, of violence designers. I believe he's on his fifth or possibly sixth intern so far. So today, I sat down with him and we talked about a weapons inventory. How do you get a weapons inventory? Why would you need one? What are the the challenges and the pitfalls that, that might show up? How do you know what to buy? I think you'll enjoy this conversation, so let's jump right in. So, hey, Rick, how you doing? Doing great, thanks. Richard is one of the founders of R&D Choreography. I was the other one back in the day. And he is continuing to run the company with Victor Bayona, who is the the current partner out here in Chicago. And R&D has an extensive weapons and armor inventory. And I thought we'd talk today about what is involved with, with maintaining a large inventory that you rent to theaters and use in your productions. Rick, when you design a show that requires weapons and armor, are those things that you provide or does the props person for the theater procure them? That's a really good question. The There's no single answer, of course. This is theater, so there is no single answer to uh, any question like that. But in general, we try to provide anything that is weapon-related unless we have some reason that we want the props people to provide it. Uh, of course, there's lots of things that are um, sort of peripherally weapons or, or conditionally weapons. That is to say, if everybody in the show is carrying a sword because it's a time period where everyone would be carrying a sword, we might uh, ask the props person to provide a bunch of prop swords for people who are extras and just walk on uh, and don't need a combat-worthy weapon. But in general, we like to provide the combat weapons for any show for a number of reasons. The first one is that if we're providing the weapon, we know what it can and can't do. That is, we know whether it's a good weapon and uh, we know how to you know, uh, make use of it without uh, surprise finding out that it's not up to the task. 
And that's actually a fairly significant danger when you're talking to props people who aren't used to using uh, stage weapons. There's a lot more swords out there on the market today than there were uh, when we first started this, you know, however many years ago. And that's good because it provides us with the opportunity to increase our inventory. But it also means that when a prop person says they've got these swords, I need to see them first before I'm willing to fight with them and put them in hands of actors who are going to be swinging in at each other. So there's that sort of safety issue. And then there's also the aesthetic issue, which is that props people, some of them are very good at this and some of them are know nothing about it. And some of the ones who know nothing about it are willing to admit they know nothing about it, but some are not, which is what is the right weapon for the show? So this is the aesthetic question. The first one is a safety question. The second is this aesthetic question of do the weapons look good uh, and do they look right? And that's a whole other conversation that I actually I remember you saying uh, stuff about in other uh, podcasts and also saying there's a whole conversation to be had about when do we train audiences to recognize what is correct and when do we go with what they already think. But putting that issue aside, we are pretty knowledgeable about what weapons fit in what show. So aesthetically, artistically, we also like to control that. And then the third, the big one, and I think probably the focus for this Nuts and Bolts podcast is economic. Uh, If we are providing the weapons, that is also a revenue stream for us potentially. If I can interrupt you for a second, I know that, for example, you're doing a Macbeth that has battle scenes, and, and but you're also running a couple other shows at once. So your inventory, if you're going to supply that, has to be fairly significant. Can you give the listeners just a, a brief rundown of the size of inventory you're talking? Sure. We have about 20 or so medieval longswords and armoring swords of various kinds that are combat-worthy and then... Uh, another dozen or so that are fairly combat-worthy, and then a bunch of dress weapons for medieval stuff. We have another 14 small swords, and we have uh, less than a dozen like true rapiers, plus a whole bunch of weapons that are in the sort of stage combat realm, which are neither rapiers nor small swords, but are, are still somewhat useful for either for classes or for swashbuckling shows where you want a kind of Hollywood look to them. And that's swords. And of course, we've got a fairly small selection of firing firearms, for example. And that's, I think, something we'll talk about in a few minutes uh, because that's a separate whole issue. But there's a lot of medieval weaponry, uh, pole axes and spears and impact weapons like maces and hand axes and uh, large pole axes and stuff like that, of which we have a much smaller inventory of any given thing. Plus, of course, now you're also... The, the other big one is hand weapons like knives and daggers, of which we have dozens and dozens of different kinds of things, from switchblades to butterfly knives to bayonets, and uh, of course all the medieval fencing daggers, as well as the, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Renaissance fencing daggers, as well as medieval fighting daggers. It's a fairly big stock, so mostly we have what we need, and the uh, and then, of course, we've also got a stock of related things like shields and a small uh, stock of armor. We now have two suits of uh, two chain hauberks, for example, plus a bunch of miscellaneous pieces of armor. Armor is a third question that we probably want to get to specifically as well. But our inventory is big enough that we usually don't have a problem supplying multiple shows uh, at the same time. 
Now, you earlier mentioned as a revenue source, so I'm assuming you are charging rental for these pieces to the theater rather than loaning them, or do you loan them as well? Well, we do some of both. There are other companies that we work with that uh, we have very close relationships with and that we're willing to just loan them stuff because we love them and they do favors for us. You know, we'll supply the weapons for this show and they sometimes supply a place for us to teach a class. I don't know if that's really a loan. That's in a sense a barter rental, uh, but that kind of stuff happens. And of course, there's one-off things where an actor in a show is like, hey, can I borrow a sword tonight for a costume thing? But in general, we don't like to loan out weapons. We rent the weapons out, mainly because weapons are expensive to maintain, they're expensive to, to buy, and they break and get damaged and eventually need to be replaced. And they need to be, in the meanwhile, maintained. And that maintenance takes time, and time is money. I mean, not to be cliche about it, but we do count up the time we spend and pay ourselves for uh, for weapon maintenance. When you rent these to the theater, how how formal of an agreement do you have? Do you do a rental contract that stipulates how long and for how much and what happens in the event that something gets broken or lost or... Is it uh, less formal, and which do you recommend? Okay, so that's two different questions, right? At least, uh, at least right? The um, Let's come back to the question about what happens when something breaks, because that's a, an important question uh, that anyone who maintains an inventory has to think about. In terms of how formal our agreements with uh, theaters are, uh, it again, of course, it varies. But in general, there's two kinds of rental situations. One is where we are simply renting weapons to a theater. Someone comes to us and says, hey, we're doing this show and we need five uh, rapiers. I'm like, And someone else is designing the violence or there's no one designing the violence because there is no violence, but they need the rapiers because people draw the rapiers and uh, gesture with them or hold them while they sing uh, or whatever. I mean, those are all things that happen, right? But somebody needs some weapons and we're not involved with the show in any other way. And there it's a straight-up rental agreement, and we write up an invoice for them. We do contracts sometimes if people ask for them, but generally our version of that is an invoice where we say, here are the weapons, here is the rental period, we expect them back on this time, we're renting them for this many dollars per week, and we usually, when we're doing something formal like that, it's a, you know, N dollars per weapon per week, and that how big N is depends on how much money the theater has. Uh, sometimes, um, you know, we have a sort of storefront theater rate and a normal rate, but the idea there is that we are, that is the, the sum total of our relationship with them. I'm going to hand them the weapons, they're going to hand us a check, and then at some point in the future, I'm going to get the weapons back. And there, we're because we're just renting weapons, we're renting them for a fee, and it's it's relatively simple. When we're designing the show... That's where things get a little creative with the accounting sometimes, uh, and that's about making things easy for the theater, really, more than making things easy for us. A lot of theaters will be able to pay us, you know, a a paltry sum for the violence design, which is not going to remotely cover our time. And when that happens, and this is another sort of question about, like, how do you bill your time, but when a theater does not have enough money to be able to afford the amount of time that it's going to take to choreograph their show, we have a couple of options. One is don't do it. A second is do it anyway and take the small amount of money because we think it's going to be a show that gets incredible reviews and we're going to get great press out of it or something like that. 
or because we really like this theater and we think in the future they're going to go somewhere and maybe be a future uh, client with more money, you know, starting out theaters. And that's part of our mission, actually. Like, we started this company, as you know, because you've started with me, mainly to serve the storefront community. And that we go through a lot of hoops to make sure that we can do that, that we can work on shows where they can't afford they really can't afford us, but we're going to figure out a way for them to afford us. Right. We're not the best businessmen. We pick the clientele with the least money. But Exactly. Um, but at the same time, uh, a lot of those theater companies will, will have budgeted a certain amount of money for violence designers and then a certain amount of money for props rental. And sometimes it's more like they know how much it's going to cost to rent these weapons and – uh, they have a lot more money for props than they do for design. And if we can provide those, then again, that covers some of the loss we're taking doing the show for a small amount of money. Now, there are people, and I completely respect their opinion, who don't want to do that, who feel like your weapons should never be making more money than you do. And I, I get that. <laughs> I'm like, well, actually, my weapons are the easiest part of this. My expertise is hard won compared to buying some swords. That said, my goal is to make things work for the theater so that they can produce the show that I want to be involved in. And if that means we get five times as much for renting these weapons as we do for our uh, time, it all goes into the same bank account as far as I'm concerned. And sometimes I am perfectly happy to think of that in my heart as flip the other way. No one else cares. No one else knows. If you want to be proud about it, you should be proud of your work and insist that you get recognized financially. Uh, I am less proud of that and more proud of being involved in shows that are important, that that uh, are the lifeblood of the Chicago theater community, which is the storefront. And uh, I'm perfectly happy to work with theaters, however their accounting works, uh, to make that happen. So let's say that uh, a theater rents a few of your swords and they end up snapping a rapier blade. Rapiers, of course, you know, they can range anywhere from 100 for the cheap ones to f- four times that for a good one. How do you handle a replacement cost? Do you get remuneration or do you just eat it? Almost always, I offer to eat it. That is why we rent weapons out. If weapons were unbreakable and nothing bad could ever happen to them, then once I had paid off the cost of buying them, I should start loaning them out for free. Uh, And granted, obviously I'm a socialist, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't. I still charge for weapons even long after they've paid for themselves because they will break eventually and need to be replaced. And because they take time to maintain so that they don't break as readily. And I spend time grinding them down. So, but because weapons break sometimes, I build that into the cost of the rental. What I don't want to do is tell a theater it's going to be X hundred dollars and they break something through normal use. And then suddenly they're scrambling to figure out how they're going to pay $400 more, which might be, you know, three times what they contracted for. Right? If they're renting a couple swords for a couple weeks, something breaks, suddenly their bill goes from you know $40 to $400. That is just not acceptable for, the, for a theater. Now, big theaters will say, of course we'll pay for it, and I will take their money quite happily. Um, but I don't ask for it because I don't think that's reasonable. I think when I say this is how much it is, that's how much it is. And that's fair, I think, because 
when a weapon breaks at a theater through normal use, they didn't break it. They were one of the 20 people who collectively broke it, right? That shows that if it's been in 20 shows, it's not their fault that it shows that moment to break and they shouldn't be paying for it. I should be building that into the cost. Again, that's the way I think of it. Perfectly reasonable to say, to build into your contract uh, a fee, but you really need to tell people that ahead of time. It's just not fair for a theater with a, you know, especially for a small theater who's mounting a show on $3,000 to suddenly take a fifth of that in uh, a replacement fee. Yeah. Now you, you mentioned that weapons paying for themselves over the life of the weapon. And that's an interesting concept. Obviously weapons are expensive and you could drop, like I said, you know, two or $300, even on a serviceable uh, sword. Do you ever go outside your own resources to rent a specialty weapon for the theater? And if you don't do that, how do you know when it's time to buy a weapon for future use? Okay, those are good questions. Again, it comes back uh, to a discussion about firearms, right? Because firearms are the place where we rent those all the time. Maintaining and repairing firearm, working prop firearms is a, a skill set, right? A skill set that I have a base level of, but not sufficient to expect that I'll be able to constantly keep weapons in order. Renting them is almost always more efficient than buying them. Cheap ones aren't good, and good ones aren't cheap if they're available at all uh, for any kind of weapon. But for fire, for blank fire guns, it's even more so. We often rent weapons. Kevin Inoue at um, uh, fightdesigner.com uh, is an incredible resource. Uh, he knows pretty much all there is. He literally wrote the book, and I do recommend his book, on theatrical firearms. And we rent stuff from him when we think uh, that makes sense, or we use our own when that makes sense. For other weapons, I almost always want to buy things if I can possibly afford to do so. Occasionally, there'll be something where I'm like, I just don't want to own this. It does not excite me, but we need it, so I'm going to rent it. But in general, the way you increase your armory is you figure out how you can afford to buy something and then try to rent it out until it's paid for itself. Is there strategies that you have for beginning violence designers to get the capital to rent weapons? Do do they wait for a show, or is there some other avenue that they can do to collect the capital to start purchasing their inventories? Uh, We, as you may recall, you might not, it was a long time ago, we lucked into our first sort of cache of weapons back in the day when the only stage combat weapons around were epee blades on various kinds of hilts uh, when a theater company was going out of business and was getting rid of their stock and we bought a dozen or so um, American Fencer Supply epees on brass hilts which we still have some of those are fine weapons uh, although we've mostly cut them down into small swords because that's more useful to us. But that's something to be on the lookout for. If you can acquire some weapons cheap, even if they're not great weapons, that gives you a start. You start renting those out, and then you can pile whatever you can afford to pile back into buying things. My friend Greg Mele, who runs Forteza Fitness and Martial Arts here in Chicago, and also the Chicago Swordplay Guild, which is a historical martial arts uh, group, has a great quote which I think of all the time, where he says, I am too poor to buy cheap weapons. While that sounds counterintuitive, it makes sense when you're talking about buying your personal weapon, right? If you buy a cheap weapon, it's going to break, and replacing a cheap weapon two or three times is now more expensive than buying an expensive weapon that's going to last you. 
That said, if you are in the business of renting weapons to actors, you have to remember that an actor, in addition to all the wonderful qualities of an actor, an actor is also a tool for losing and breaking your things. So if something's going to get destroyed anyway through bizarre circumstance, there's nothing wrong with having a supply of relatively inexpensive weapons that you can rent out, that you can use to teach classes, and that you can not be panic-stricken when it is broken and has to be replaced. Once you've got a small stock of those things and you can start renting them out regularly, you can then turn that money back around and buy more weapons or better weapons and keep an eye out for opportunities to acquire higher quality equipment. Didn't we, back in the day, organize some classes, some sword classes, when we knew we didn't have the stock to supply the students with weapons, and essentially we invested our money hoping that we would get enough students' tuition to then pay off our initial investment of swords? We certainly did do that back then, and Victor and I just did this very same thing this summer when we were teaching a medieval combat class. We don't have shields. Uh, enough to teach a class. We had, I think we had owned four shields at one point, and we're like, well, this summer we need a whole bunch of shields for this show. Let's run a stage combat class teaching sword and shield and poleaxe, and then take that inventory, take that the tuition money and turn it back around into building shields that are uh, good-looking, historically accurate, and uh, we can also teach classes with. That is definitely a possibility for... Uh, people who, especially if people who are in a market like Chicago, where you can expect to get 14 people to a stage combat class. If you're in a much smaller community, that might be trickier. But it's it's definitely one way to think about it, is to think, I'm going to teach this class for free. Well, not for free. I'm going to teach this class in exchange for the weapons I'm going to be able to buy with the tuition from it. Now, we have uh, an excellent relationship with other theater companies. For example, Babes with Blades rented us some of their weapons in order to teach a class that we could then take the tuition and pay the rental plus buy some more weapons uh, so that now we can do those. That kind of thinking is definitely worth doing, I think, in the long run, as long as you're paying your rent and you're covering your health insurance and you're um, and you're not starving. The best investment I think a violence designer can make is in an inventory. And here's where we're getting into why, right? This is something that you, you actually asked sort of at the beginning and I think is important. If you have a stock of weapons, it will do two things. First of all, it will allow you, as I said earlier, economically to be more flexible with theaters when they need it. But also, it gives you more opportunity to choreograph different kinds of fights. If you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail, if that's your only tool. Once you have a fairly wide selection of weapons, if you have both rapiers and longswords, you can say, okay, we're doing this Elizabethan history play, this Shakespeare play. The time period it's set in would be medieval weaponry. But we could do this as a Renaissance production the way Shakespeare did, with using his uh, contempt- weapons that were contemporary to him. If you've got more options, you have a wider choice when you're doing your violence design. And that extends to remembering that you can always acquire new weapons for a show. If they're going to rent them from you, that rental fee might be a third or a quarter of the cost of new weapons and they're saving a lot of money by renting them from you and they're also getting your expertise knowing what's a good weapon and what's not and you're a third of the way to having paid these weapons off 
And that's uh, one of the greatest joys for us is like, well, I've always wanted a Warhammer. I guess we're going to have to put one in this show so that we have to buy one. And now we have one or whatever it is. Uh, one of these days, I'm going to end up with uh, a rubber Mac 10. I've always wanted one. Uh, haven't had a show yet, but someday there'll be a show that we're like, you know what I need? And that's how, I mean, that is how we acquire some of these things. And it's sort of a, a different answer to the question you asked earlier, which was, uh, when do you know it's time to buy something as opposed to rent it? And I gave the canonical, financially responsible answer before, which was, Think about whether you're going to be able to rent it again and, you know, how much use you're going to get out of it. But also, do you want it? If you want to own something, put it in a show, rent it out for a third of whatever it costs you, and you should feel good about that because you will rent it out twice more in your life sooner or later. I remember when we staged uh, Lifeline's production of Neverwhere uh, 10 years ago now, there's a special spear that is mentioned that we had Neil Massey of Rogue Steel uh, make for us that that was like, there is dubious re-rental prospect on this spear because it's a very fantasy, but it's so cool. And so we ended up buying that, as I recall. And have you rented that out since? Uh, we have actually used it a couple times in uh, productions of uh, She Kills Monsters, which is also a fantasy show. And so... Once you have a, a beautiful fantasy spear, you want to use it as best you can. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get to use it again uh, someday. Uh, right now we're sort of uh, holding on to it. And every time I walk into the shed, I'm like, that is a beautiful spear. I am so happy to own it. Once you get a fair amount of weapons and you're doing multiple shows and this theater company just rented a couple of rapiers and that production of... Julius Caesar has all of that weapon. How do you track your inventory to make sure that you're getting everything back? I know it when we started, that was like a silly question because you're like, well, I have the four swords and I know they're in the show that I'm working on. But you seem like you've gotten a lot more <laughs> complex than that. So how do you track your inventory? Okay, let me just say I'm the worst person to ask about this because I have screwed this up more times than I care to think about. The answer should be carefully. The real answer for me has always been badly, but lately I've been trying to do it better. And what we've done now, again, the internet really helps here. Obviously the right thing to do, inventory control is a solved problem. Lots of industries have figured out how to do it. Our problem is that uh, we're not a giant industry. We're not, we have more than four swords, but we're not doing this every day, day in and day out. Technology has come to the rescue here because I used to try to write every time I handed somebody something, I tried to write it down and then record it somewhere. And then I was like, two years later, I'm like, whatever happened to that thing we used to have? And we lost a couple of weapons that I was fond of uh, through my negligence. And in doing that, I learned that I need to be better about it. Now what we do is I keep a, um, a Google document of weapons out. And every time I hand someone a weapon, I pull out my phone and immediately enter it into the weapons out along with who is it rented to, what it was I renting as specifically as possible, and when is it due back. And then I check that every once in a while to see if anything that's due back is still out and call them and say, hey, can I get that whatever it is back? Which, incidentally, is very helpful uh, business-wise. 
the last time I did that, three days ago, I called someone and they said, oh, yeah, I meant to get that back to you. By the way, do you happen to have a... Now I can't remember what it was that they needed, but we did have that. And they came in and rented this weapon for a few weeks, and I deposited a check for 40 bucks in with 10 minutes of work. So well worth uh, chasing those things down and keeping track of it. One of the things that I always tend to lose are the accessories, the holsters, the sword belts, the the things that kind of go with the scabbards, for example. is another big one. The uh, weapon bag. Oh, do you, you usually supply a weapon bag to the theater? I usually try to, especially because, uh, again, there's ways you can make your life easier. When people are renting weapons from you, you should ask them to come get them from you instead of you bringing it to them. This is an enormous time saving for you if you do this regularly. And for any given person, it's perfectly reasonable for them to come to you, pick it up and come to you and bring it back. But if that person is coming to me on the train, I would just assume if I'm handing them a bunch of weapons that the weapons be in a bag. Uh, And again, if I hand them all in a bag, then they have a bag to store them in in rehearsal. So we do own a whole bunch of weapon bags and we go through them. They get damaged because, again, I buy cheap ones because they're going to get destroyed. And I just accept that as part of the rental fee. But I also write down they have the blue American Fencer Supply bag. They have the green canvas bag. They have the whatever. And keep track of that as well. It's this thing that has been rented out. Although I don't usually charge them for the bag. But um, but I do record that I have given them that bag. So when I get those weapons back, I'm like, oh, these were all in a bag before. Can I have that bag back? Are there other things that you would, uh, other advice for uh, aspiring violence designers for regarding uh, weapons or inventory? Well, one thing to think about is storage. Uh, I live in a house. We have a backyard and I have a shed that's, I don't know, something like uh, 12 feet by 18 feet. And that's full of weapons. If you're starting to collect an inventory of weapons, you need to think about where you're storing them and how you're storing them. Climate control is great. The shed is actually not great for that. But um, you want to think about where you're going to be able to store something so that it store all these things so that you can keep track of them, access them easily, and uh, keep them out of the weather uh, and keep them from getting stolen. Um, So... That's a a real big concern. If you live in a small apartment, it might not be worth it to you to start collecting weapons. It might be better to uh, create a relationship with uh, someone who does rent weapons out regularly and then uh, figure out a way to leverage that into, uh, you know, paying for your time about and your expertise, uh, say, by negotiating some... um, regular deal with a theater company or a, or a, an inventory, a company that has weapon stock and then charging a markup to theaters that you supply those weapons to for your time and expertise. And of course, you know, you can be above board about that and should, in fact should be. Uh, but most theaters will be really happy to pay a small premium to be sure that you're getting what you need and they don't have to think about it. But storage is definitely uh, a consideration. And the other is maintenance. It takes time to maintain weapons. You've got to keep cleaning them. You you know, you can ask that people clean weapons uh, before they return them, and sometimes they will. But if a weapon's sitting in storage, it's going to need cleaning every once in a while. And when you have a lot of weapons, uh, that takes time. Again, we have interns uh, who we 
train and give free classes to and uh, let, you know, like involve in the uh, design discussions and production meetings and teach them the business of being a violence designer. And in return, they help us clean weapons. And that's, uh, that's really important because it's a lot less fun to do this by yourself. All right. Well, thank you so much. This we've been talking with Richard Gilbert of R&D Choreography, a longtime business partner and best friend of mine uh, about weapons. And uh, Rick, how would people contact you if they wanted to uh, rent weapons from you or uh, use your services? Well, the easiest thing to do is to email us at info, I-N-F-O, at fightshop.org or find us on Facebook, which is R&D Choreography. And we're happy to chat by email, answer questions, do that sort of thing. We don't generally rent out weapons uh, to people who are not in the area. We don't, we're not really a rental house primarily. Our stock is mainly dedicated to serving the sort of local Chicago theater community and mainly dedicated to serving the shows that we're working on. But if somebody wants to, they're certainly welcome to contact us and we can work something out, or we can even make recommendations about people who are uh, able to provide uh, whatever they're looking for. And we just love talking about any aspect of stage combat, and weapons are certainly a big part of that. All right. Well, thanks so much, and we'll catch you later. All right. Take care. Thank you so much for having me. This was really a lot of fun. Thanks again to Rick for coming on the show. It was great to talk to you and great to fight with you a bunch of times during Pirate Fest a couple weekends ago. Thanks everyone who's listening to the podcast. If you find this podcast useful, please let others know about it. Share it on Facebook and then head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show and leave a review on the podcast page. I'd really appreciate it because it helps others find me. If you want to go the extra mile to support the show, go to patreon.com slash violencedesignlab and pledge a couple of dollars a month to keep the show going. Every level of support has its rewards, including transcripts of the regular episodes and full uncut video footage of my interview episodes, although this episode was audio only, so there's not any video of our lovely faces. This podcast is entirely supported by you, the listeners. You'll notice there's no ads or corporate sponsorship. I rely on your generosity, so thanks in advance for your support. Until next week, keep the fights on stage and peace in your life. David, out. Thanks for listening to the Violence Design Lab podcast. For more tips, tutorials, and downloadable resources, visit us at violencedesignlab.com. 